G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome back to the Overnight Crowd. Paul Heater Heath in studio with you this Tuesday night, headed into Wednesday morning around the SEN network in Australia, across New Zealand and around the world on the SEN app. We'd love to hear from you, where you're at, what you're up to and what you've been enjoying in the uh, sporting world space as well on the Overnight Crowd text line 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. I do wonder from back on the weekend if you got across the UFC 269 action with uh, Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa doing Australia proud and getting his fourth straight KO victory from UFC 269. We saw some fantastic biffs over that card as well. And uh, here is what it sounded like when Ty Tuivasa had his win over the weekend. Before we jump on and have a chat with Brendan Bradford. For a man to drink a beer they out of a the shoe. shoey. They want the shoey. <laughs> they love the shoey out here. Brendan Bradford, he's a sports writer with Code Sports. You can follow along with his work at codesports.com.au. He joins us on the Overnight Crowd. Uh, g'day to you, Brendan. Hey, mate, how are you? Going well, you thank know? you. Thanks so much for the time, mate. Uh, Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa will start with UFC 269, but he won his fight at UFC 269 over the weekend. He's gone four straight now in devastating fashion as well with uh, knockouts. So just love watching this guy get into his work. Yeah, absolutely. Four in a row. Uh, four in the last, I think it's 14 months, <laughs> uh, which broke a, a three-fight losing streak as well. He was sort of almost on the chopping block about this time a year ago. So great to see him back and. Um, yeah, just doing what he does best, and that's just knocking guys out, I suppose. <laughs> it might be easy for us to say this is two of us or is one of ours, but where does he rank in your fan favourites of the UFC at the moment? Just the way that the crowd follow and react to almost every single movement that he makes is amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's right up there. Just one of the the uh, the great characters of not only UFC but of Australian sport. <laughs> um, and I think this is I wrote on Code Sports the other day that this is sort of the second phase, the second act of his career. Sort of, he, he, he burst on the scene and, and it was kind of raw, quite raw. And, and his fighting style, he's still quite raw outside of the cage as well. But um, his fighting style was quite raw and, and he was just knocking guys out. And he went on that losing run. And um, he's, he's actually added a few things to his, to his fight game and he's a little bit more patient now. But he's still, yeah, he's still an absolute character out of the cage. Uh, you know, I been covering his career since before he made the UFC. Um, so it's been really awesome to see how he's progressed. And um, I think there was the fight earlier this year against Greg Hardy, um, who's had a lot of issues and is the opposite of a fan favorite. Um, <laughs> earlier this year, I was on a Conor McGregor card, so all eyes of the world on him. Earns the first round knockout win against a guy everyone hates. And you sort of see his popularity globally explode as well after that one. The walk-in songs, uh, highlighted by Barber Girl by Aqua, this bout. We uh, played it last night on the show. He's thrown in Wannabe by the Spice Girls, some Shania Twain as well. It gets the people and him going, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, Vanessa Carlton for his debut. That's it. Um, just, you know, it, it, you can imagine, like, the nerves. Like, any normal person would just be 
did sit so nervous uh, at a UFC debut, especially after the road he took to get there. It was a long time getting there. He had some pretty serious injuries and um, life issues outside of the cage. So uh, to be able to to rock out Vanessa Carlton on the way to your debut in your hometown as well, no less, um, pretty awesome. I don't know how big a uh, Simpsons fan you are, Brendan, but uh, in the best possible way, it has those Homer Simpson entering the ring to why can't we be friends versus Dredderick Tatum um, sort of vibes. (laughs) (laughs) But he goes on and performs a little bit better than Homer does in uh, those episodes, though. (laughs) um, I've heard, uh, I can't remember which exactly which fight it was, but um, Dana White actually said, mate, no, you cannot use that song. (laughs) And he said, "No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm using it. I've got to, got to use it. I think it might have been Celine Dion." Um, right. And he, he, ended up, he ended up using it, and it was a massive hit. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he knows his crowd, and of course, the Shoeys as well. There was no hot sauce in the mix this time around, though. Yeah. Oh man, that, that last time, uh, I think it was someone put some Dustin Poirier hot sauce in one of them, and Stitch up. he uh, he didn't realise it on his way out of the cage. But um, yeah, everyone everyone lining up to. You know, on his way out of the cage backstage, everyone's leaning over with a shoe and a beer. So I don't know how many he had on the way back, probably five or six, but uh, it's a phenomenon now. Uh, Events like UFC 269 always deliver uh, for the viewer at home. And this one over the weekend was exactly the same. Juliana Pena's win over Amanda Nunes called the biggest upset in the history of the sport by Joe Rogan. Uh, How much hyperbole and mayo was on that statement, do you think? I've thought a lot about that. Um, (laughs) And it's right up, it'd be top. Top two, top three. Right. Um, I, you know, just purely because of how dominant Amanda Nunes is. She's already, you know, she's Hall of Fame. She's probably the greatest female fighter. She'd be pound for pound, you know, male or female, a top five fighter in the UFC. Um, and just no one was giving Juliana Pena much of a shot in this one. Um, Nunes has just been running through opposition at bantamweight and featherweight over the last four years. Uh, I, I think the only one that, that compares is Matt Serra beating uh, George St. Pierre. That was a, a long time ago now, but I, I, the difference is Nunes is a current great. She's she's an absolute legend now at this stage when, when Pena better. The difference, I think, is when Matt Serra beat GSP. GSP was a good fighter and a, and a champion, but he probably hadn't risen to that same level of greatness as Amanda Nunez did. So definitely it's between those two. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Charles Oliveira retained his lightweight title, submitting Dustin Poirier with a standing choke early in the third round of another cracker as well. Yeah. What a a fight. Um, (laughs) Another one where not too many people were picking Charles Oliveira to win this one. Um, Dustin Poirier obviously coming off a couple of good wins over Conor McGregor. Um, just uh, it was a fantastic fight. Um, Poirier had some really good moments in the first round, and then Oliveira came back. And this, yeah, it was, it was that fight is just what you you sit there and you just think, man, this is this 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 is the peak. This is the pinnacle. This is this is so good. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, Oliveira, one of the one of the nice guys of the sport too. So stoked stoked to see him do well. Uh, Sean O'Malley with his uh, third straight KO win as well, taking less than a round to find Paver's chin. And once he did, it was really good night. Uh, 18 seconds left in the round when this one wrapped up. Yeah, Sean O'Malley is uh, another another character. He's, he's very divisive. <laughs> you either love him or you hate him. But uh, you can't argue with what uh, what he's putting out there. He's 
he's stopping guys, um, you know, within a round, and he's, he's looking pretty good doing it. Um, came back from a pretty serious injury uh, last year, so um, you know he's going to be knocking at the door of of some some you know top ranked fighters pretty soon as well. Uh, K. Cara France, uh, also with the first round knockout, a real statement fight. Uh, I believe he believes uh, lines him up for a challenge for the UFC flyweight title as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's 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 been in tremendous form this year. Um, he, he lost the fight against Brandon Royval last year. Um, there's a bit of controversy around that one, but he's come back with two really good wins this year. And um, this was a an interesting one. The build up with Cody Garbrandt, who was formerly the bantamweight champion he's dropped down a division and Garbrandt's looking was looking past Kai Kara France to, towards other fighters in the division and all the all the talk in the lead up to the fight even with you know the pundits and stuff in the US was you know who's who's Garbrandt going to fight after winning this one and um yeah Kai goes out there and and does it inside a round um awesome stuff from him for the for the Aucklander uh, Israel Adesanya versus Rob Whitaker too has been announced for Super Bowl weekend in the States as well. It seemed like everyone was on board except for Israel himself after he tweeted cap to the initial announcement. Uh, have we moved uh, any further down the line with this one? I think it's locked. I'm pretty sure this one's locked in. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what there's, there's all sorts of posturing and, and, uh, you know, gamesmanship and one-upsmanship and, and everything going on with the, the rematch to this one. They, uh, they, as much as they say they've moved on from the first one, um, I think there's a bit of tension there between the two camps and between the two fighters. So, um, but look, the the winner—it's a cliche—but the winner is the fans because um, we've been hanging out for this one for yeah over two years now, just over two years. And um, you know, Whitaker's been Whitaker's just been on a tear. He's He's just been uh, in incredible form the last, you know, you know, since he bounced back over the last year or so. Um, you know, it's one of those things. If if it wasn't for Israel Adesanya, Rob Whitaker would probably be considered one of the greatest middleweights of all time. You know, right up there with Anderson yeah. Silva. These two guys are just ahead of the field. Um, they've beaten everyone else uh, between them, basically, uh, who's ranked in the division. So the rematch is going to be awesome in February. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko, uh, he had a win over the weekend as well, taking care of Richard Comey, and he set his sights on our world champ, Georgia Ferocious Cambosius, who took the belts off Tiafoma Lopez, who had them taken off Vasily Lomachenko. So we see the lineage there, and he says he's happy to do it in Australia as well. Do you think this will uh, get on the way? I think it's every chance of happening. Um, there was talk about two years ago, uh, maybe two to three years ago, of Lomachenko versus Cambosis. Um, when Lomachenko had all the belts, when he was king of the lightweight division, um, Bob Arum was had mentioned Cambosis's name, and um, you know, I did a few things with George just talking about that fight and you know, what it would mean to him. Um, so now that George Cambosis got all the belts, um, got some significant pulling power, and you know, hopefully Australia, the Australian public will get out, want, to, want to get out and see him. Um, I think it is every chance that this happens in Australia, particularly as Lomachenko doesn't really have a huge sort of fan base or a home um, area that he that he could fight out, out of. Um, he fights, he's fought in the US, but um, even his fight the other day, you know, it wasn't hugely well attended. Mm. Um, there wasn't a massive amount of uh, hype in the build-up outside of, you know, dedicated boxing fans for that one. So um, in purely, you know, attendance and, and crowd and fan base, uh, yeah, I think... 
it could definitely happen in Australia next year. Uh, Gallon versus Lussick is just around the corner as well. Uh, Lussick with the, just the one pro fight, but it was a pretty decent showing knocking out Justin Hodges. Uh, what can we expect from these two going toe-to-toe? Are they just going to be throwing? Yeah, I, I think so, 100%. Um, <laughs> it's only a short fight, four rounds, I think, over over two minutes. So there's not a lot of time to you know, actually do much, too, too much clinical boxing or you know, build up a, an advantage on the scorecards, which I know Paul Gallon is very uh, frustrated and angry about. He wanted... He wanted eight rounds over three minutes or eight rounds over two minutes at least. So, um, you know, I think you're going to see two two big guys um, just swinging leather, which, you know, it's not going to make for um, good boxing, but it might make for good entertainment because, um, yeah, they're, they're two big and powerful blokes, which it's a shame really because Paul Gallen, although he's, you know, he's a convert to boxing, he's, he's actually a pretty decent boxer when he, when he gets going. So, um, it's a shame that we won't probably won't see that as much in this fight. Mm. Um, but you never know; you might see a big knockout as well. <laughs> a lot of leagueies getting the gloves on over this event over two nights, but it's also Harry Garside's pro debut. Uh, he got a bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, ready for the next step in his career? Yes, yeah, stoked to see him. Pumped to see him. Um, yeah, moving to the professional ranks um, after what he did at the Olympics. Um, basically, creating history. First Aussie boxer in was it 30-something, 30 32 years, I think, 33 years to win a, a boxing medal at the Olympics. So, um, you know, he's got got the uh, the whole country behind him, I suppose. I think his his nickname, his, his fighting nickname is Aussie Harry Garside. So <laughs> that works out well as well. So, um, yeah, just, just excited to see his, his progression. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he looks in there as well, like just with the, you know, the, the changes in glove size and, and – things like that and times of the fights but um yeah it's it, 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 i think he should make that that um transition quite well uh the f1 grand prix finale over the weekend as well mate uh the max max verstappen wins so i'm still not sure how to feel about it either way at the minute how are you recovering from that pretty epic finish yeah i think i've caught up on sleep now um <laughs> so that's good but I, i'm very much the same i i don't i just don't know what to make of it it, it seemed it doesn't sit quite well with me. Mm. Um, and I've got to say, I'm, I'm by no means an F1 expert. I I think like a lot of people, more more people than I realized, I, I got into the sport through the Netflix yeah. series yeah. Um, only recently. But um, so I, I, I can't speak with too much authority on whether they got it right or wrong. But if you go on the... Uh, the vibe factor, it doesn't really sit right with me, too. No, no, it's, uh, yeah, definitely off on that one. Do you think it'll go any further to like a court of arbitration or similar? That's what they're talking about, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Mercedes is, um, they, they put in a, a first proposal or first, um, you Pro- know, argument yeah, or something protest, and yeah. they got rejected and now they're taking it to the next level or something. So, yeah. um, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I, even if it gets overturned, it's going to be it's going to be pretty hollow now after you know, a week or however long it takes. But um, I suppose there's a there's a lot of money and a lot of egos involved. So yeah, most I, definitely. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, on the way out, Brendan. Now I know nothing about chess, but I was completely swept up by the World Chess Championships and the intrigue and the tension around the event between Magnus Carlsen and Jan Nepinacci. And uh, the man known as the Mozart of chess got the win, seven five to three point five in the end, to leave no doubt about his greatness after his fifth world title match victory. How did you find all of the action? Oh, very, very, almost similar to the F one. 
by no <laughs> means do I am I a chess expert. Um, but it was yeah one of those ones that sort of it, it came on like the stream started at about ten thirty eleven at night and I started sitting there for the we watched the opening and then I'd go to sleep. Wake up in the morning, and it's still be bloody playing like six <laughs> hours later. Um, just incredible. Like it's hard to explain unless you had, unless you got drawn in to watching it and, and following it, um, and, and watching you know the analysis and stuff. It's hard to explain how something like chess, which takes so long and there's often not a lot happening, is just almost edgy your seat stuff. Um, especially, I think it was. Last weekend or the weekend before, they they played a game that went eight hours, yeah. and it was a world record for the longest match ever held at the World Chess Championships. It was something like 136 moves, um, and just yeah, just incredible. Um, you have this this panel of experts trying to talk you through what's happening, and um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'll, I'll, um, I'll be tuning in next month for sure as well. Yeah, they'll be like, okay, if he does this, this is what will happen next. If he does this, this is what will happen next. But it just, yeah, kept on turning over and over. But uh, yeah, just a <laughs> fantastic event to uh, really get sucked into as well as, uh, yeah, Magnus Carlsen. I just love the uh, nickname as well, the uh, Mozart of Chess. But it was almost a bit of a showdown between the digital and analog uh, sort of um, movements in chess with uh, Jan Nepinacci. He goes up against the supercomputers all the time, whereas Magnus Carlsen is more of the, uh, you know, uh, analog operator. So it's just so much going on within just the one match around a board and some pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's a really interesting um, element now. Like they've got all these computers which can, you know, generate all algorithms and whatever to, you know, they, they, they're, they're able to tell you, you know, which move is best for which player at this particular time with all the pieces gone and whatever. Um, so it's almost becoming, you know, if, when you're watching it, you had, you know, one of the commentators was saying, you know, this is what the computer says to do. And it uh, seems like that's taking something out of it. So it's good just you have these two guys sitting there five, six, seven, eight hours a day. No computers, no nothing. Just, uh, you know, just their preparation and their wits and, um, you know, their their ability to, to be able to concentrate for oh, that long yeah. day after day. You know, they, I think they had a rest day after every two or three games, but, you know, they'd, they'd finish at sort of five in the afternoon and be back having to play again at nine or ten the next morning. It was pretty amazing. Uh, any predictions for the second test before we let you go, mate? Pink ball action from Adelaide starting on Thursday. England 1-0 down. Can they bounce back? Oh, they're going to have – they need Broad and Anderson to come back and take some big wickets after after sitting them down. I mean, you imagine if they brought up, bring back Broad and Anderson and they, you know, take five wickets between them for the test yeah. after – Setting them out of Brisbane and, and getting whacked. Um, uh, you know, news just through over the last hour or so is that David Warner didn't look too uh, too nice in the in the nets this afternoon. So, you know, if, if Warner's out, it'd be interesting to see who comes in. Hopefully, Usman Kawaja. From my perspective, I'm a big big Usman fan. But like, um, yep. look, just based on on past performance, um, I, I think Australia's going to go two two nil up here. Get the feeling uh, as well, Brendan. I uh, really appreciate the time, mate. So uh, we'll keep up with your work at Code Sports. 
No worries, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Brendan Bradford, he's a sports writer with Code Sports. You can follow along with his work at codesports.com.au and he's joining us on the overnight crowd to talk through UFC 269, looking back over a couple of uh, big bouts around the world that uh, do impact some Australians with Israel Adesanya versus Rob Whitaker 2 announced for Super Bowl weekend and also Vasily Lomachenko taking care of Richard Comey, which uh, he's turned his attention now to George the Ferocious Cambosis, who took the belts off Tiafoma Lopez and Tiafoma Lopez took them off Vasily Lomachenko. So that's why everyone's, you know, wanting to get to George and wanting to get involved and also wanting to maybe bring a big bout down to Australia. So we'd love to see that down this way. But uh, what are your thoughts around some of those upcoming bouts and also around the F1 finale from the weekend? 0433-98-1116. That is the text line on the overnight crowd or 1300-736-736. The open line on the overnight crowd. You can call on me, your friend Heater, on the overnight crowd. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.